0: This is Karen Kelly, and you're listening to An Appetite for Life. There's a great mix on this show, just various topics, amazing guests, and the occasional celebrity girl. So my guest today is James Price, founder of Cheshire Healthcare Testing Business, everything genetic limited so welcome james it's great to have you on the show today
1: thank you karen thanks for having me
0: you're clearly a very clever chap having a vast experience in the molecular diagnostics and genetics testing field so tell us a bit about your background and, and and what led you into creating everything genetic
1: okay um my background is in biology and chemistry and genetics, um, pre- and post-grad degree. Um, so I was fortunate enough to work with some very clever people up at the Rosalind Institute um, with the whole Dolly the Sheep projects and cloning and, and that side of it uh, many, many years ago. Um, but predominantly I've spent uh, most of my career working within really big, impressive uh, molecular genetic uh, companies such as cargen diagnostic, um, myriad genetics, et cetera, that have, have taught me a lot and have worked with some very, very intelligent people. I'd I'd probably say I'm probably uh I know enough to be dangerous, but not truly <laughs> helpful in a way. <laughs> um and I, I've got a very, very good team of people around me nowadays, which is which is fantastic. And and, and obviously have built up a lot of contacts within yeah. genetics and healthcare, et cetera, which has put me in a fairly unique place, I suppose, now to uh help pull some levers and hopefully be more helpful than not.
0: I remember doing science um, at school and also I did a course equivalent to an, an A-level certificate and I did science in that as well and all of it went over my head. We covered some cloning actually. Is, did, is it Daisy? Dollar the did yeah, sh- yeah. <laughs> i remember yeah doing that i was actually pregnant at the time so i couldn't do a lot of the tests which i was really quite secretly pleased about but <laughs> um but anyone in science gets my total respect so so you created everything genetic probably about was it four or five years ago now
1: yep yeah, november 16 wow. when i took the yeah. and what
0: is it what is it they actually do for our listeners who've maybe not heard of it or not from the area Um, because you're based in in Nantwich in Cheshire. So what is it they actually do?
1: We are mainly based in Nantwich, Cheshire, actually. I mean, I'm I'm a Congleton boy in Cheshire, born and bred. um, So I'm very passionate about building as much of the infrastructure as we can here, not going off to the major cities or London, etc., But again, we do have quite a few people around around the country in the sales and marketing function, as you can imagine. Yeah. Pre-COVID, people needing to get around and meet meet consultants and clinicians and laboratories around the country before then. I mean, everything genetic, um, we're here to democratise testing. Um, uh, We are based in Nantwich, Cheshire, and we partner with some of the world's market-leading laboratories to supply revolutionary genetic tests to healthcare providers and patients basically for detection diagnosis and treatment of cancer and we also work in heart cardiac areas and other illnesses as well uh, sort of the title of everything genetic is aspirational it was aspirational at the start but we are we are working towards other other illnesses as well to, uh, outside yeah. cancer
0: was it mainly cancer why you created the company you know so that it was for cancer patients
1: absolutely um, I, I, I mean, I have worked with the NHS, the screening programs, uh, HPV screening, and other sexually transmitted disease uh, areas as well uh, previously. But the vast majority of my my career and life has been focused on hereditary cancer. So the whole Angelina Jolie side of, of things, if people have have, have heard about that, um, looking at whether a, a genetic test can, and ultimately help advise you on the right clinical pathway so whether a chemotherapy may help or not um, whether it, it's something that someone's passed down to you and you can maybe have more regular screening etc to help manage that uh, ahead of time um, and, uh, and, and and more so looking at some genetic tests for the general population that it might not have passed down the family but certain a certain profile of your genetics might, predispose you to earlier or more aggressive cancers and that's something we're really focused on now looking at uh, general risk and mass population screening if that's yeah. the right word um to uh, to help put people in the right categories and the right profile to get the right treatment and the right screening i think that's really key that personalized medicine approach so that's that's what we're really focused on um, uh, and that's and to be fair where we're where we're investing all of all the money that we sell anything ultimately goes back into research and to, into helping people and, and, and studies to, to sort of drive us in the right direction in that respect.
0: Yeah. So like you say, you've created these tests now so that they, they can be available to Joe blogs off the street kind of thing. They can order them. Can they order them online? Is that right?
1: Uh, just to clarify, we create a service in the UK using a test that lots of other clever people figure out what it means yeah. We take and try and allow people to understand the basics of that, whether it's a clinician or a patient or or the public. And then we try and create a platform for a cost-effective, safe way of getting hold of something. So we wouldn't necessarily so people, you're right, people can go onto our website and buy now and do that. Yeah. But we don't allow any test to be accessed without an appropriate clinician being there for them. Oh, before they, or they take the test to access it are companies that do that and you, you know you can imagine someone getting a hereditary cancer and i've got a brca mutation going to the gp and going oh i've got this yeah, from yeah. 23andme or whatever company that you can get it from and saying could you give me some guidance please and it's a little bit late then because it can often be quite devastating with the result if you've not been had that clinical discussion ahead of time
0: and that's so we do- afterwards obviously as well isn't it to offer and the support
1: afterwards so again because I've, I've spent a lot of my career working in the hereditary cancer area i've had contacts and we have and we've and we've networked up around the country whether it's in wales or the christie's in manchester or the royal Marsden sp- uh, specialists in cancer and, and specifically genetics across different cancer areas but if you do get a result, then we can we actually we actually cover the cost of that consultation as well back into the system. So there's no burden on the NHS in that respect. And in fact, we know we've saved the NHS, uh, you know, of tens money. of millions of pounds in yeah. effect in not just the cost of screening because we've screened thousands of people for potential future cancers, uh, but also that care as well, that point. And they're not wasting their money ultimately potentially screening people to find the right people to then follow a different pathway than potentially they would do if they were never found.
0: Yeah gosh obviously we've been we're coming out of a pandemic uh, pandemic I'm touching wood again here Um, but unfortunately during the pandemic and COVID-19 your testing was put on hold um, when the virus hit but you created obviously a private testing for cancer patients that needed treatment urgently didn't you?
1: Yeah, that was where we started with COVID testing. We actually didn't jump straight in. Like, I, I guess the bad bits of COVID testing in the in the public are people going in for a bit of money and buying some lateral flows yeah. from China and selling them off and hoping that, you know, they can make a quick buck. We took a few months to sort of look at the types of tests that could be used, what the sensitivity, specificity are, the costs, things like that. And then we carefully put together a team. So we have a consultant, a consultant virologist that supports us and signs all the reports off. Um, what the, the laboratory would be to to run this, are they the most cost effective, what accreditations they've got etc and, and what we could do to help put that together whether it's our own logistics or outsource things etc to create a, a cost effective uh, good product but ultimately for cancer patients at the start we were thinking well if cancer patients can't go in or if they do go in to have some sort of therapy they should know their Covid status and at that point the NHS were not supplying that as standard unless you were symptomatic they weren't Necessarily interested to shut the hospitals and put turn them into ICUs, yeah, in effect.
0: Yeah, it was all to do with COVID patients, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. It was devastating, really, because it wasn't just cancer patients either, was it? It was patients that have, were suffering, like you say, with heart conditions or any other disease out there. It's a shame that everything kind of just put on hold, didn't it?
1: Absolutely. And hopefully, with the probable third wave that's kicking off we won't find ourselves in that position and maybe we're yeah. we're ready to do that and, and obviously COVID testing is much more prevalent now and, and accessible so and we know a bit more about the disease and, and how we can protect against it so yeah absolutely so we, we that's how we started we started to look to support our cancer patients actually we weren't charging for it at the time it was just offered as part of the, the care we were offering um and then um Ultimately, you know, going through the, the accreditations with the Department of Health, where, you know, we are on the government list for general and travel and all of that side of it, um, and building up over 240 clinical partners that we supply for. We supply for P&O ferries, Booper, a lot of, wow. you know, stringent people, the NHS, we have a two-year contract for NHS testing, you know, so we're not, we, we, you know, we're not someone selling this out of the back of a van. We, we've got history yeah. in genetics, and we, this is what we do ultimately um so we we've 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 grown the business ultimately you're right and and, and grown the team from you know half a team were on furlough 12 months ago to be completely honest you know not a big team a few people but now we're over 50 full-time people by christmas we will probably be 100 and and as you Amazing. know in the local area we we have over 100 part-time temp people as well helping from packing kits to sending them out and everything else so hopefully we've made a more of a positive impact locally Definitely. really which is, which is a key focus for, for me That's roughly where we've come from and where we are now we, we now provide to 200 well no actually it's it's now 240 partners over 100 of the partners are people or companies on the government list are actually we run their service predominantly but wow. it's their name up there so yeah we we're hopefully a big part of it at the moment.
0: So just going back to your cancer patients and when everything was put on hold and you thought, right, we need to get these uh, these these cancer patients who need treatment urgently back into our hospitals. How long did that process take?
1: I guess the beauty of everything genetic as an organisation and, and being a relatively small organisation is we can flex with what we're doing relatively quickly. Yeah. So a lot of bigger organisations would... Um, a certain part of the process together so maybe rosh or, or or whoever would basically say right we're going to validate this assay so when a sample comes into the lab it runs and it gives a result so they'll focus on that and then someone else will focus on another part of the process what we do at everything genetic generally at the moment is find out who the best people are for those different parts yeah. and bolt them together to create a service so some of those things uh, within our overall COVID testing service for those cancer patients had been started many months beforehand. So the laboratory validation status with UCAS, the assay CE marking and validation with sample samples etc. So we scoured the market for each of those different individual units negotiated obviously with them with with um, the costs, the the volume they can handle and not, et cetera. Everything down to cardboard boxes being printed and yeah, and order, right? six or seven week process. Believe it or not, cardboard, especially double thickness cardboard was very hard to get hold of during COVID yeah. time. So we, we have all of those sorts of pieces. But the overall process took us from starting the process to starting to, to provide the first tests about two and a half months.
0: Yeah, that's really good going Roles. though, isn't it? And I suppose you had to be quick because you needed to get them into hospitals and we were in a pandemic, weren't we? So, Absolutely. So your service obviously now has expanded significantly during the last year with PCR testing services offered as well to healthcare providers. Um, what is the PCR test? I know we've all heard about it, and I've got an idea. I've had one, I think, because they kept changing it. You know, when you go to these local pop-up stations, oh, it's PCR testing today. Well, what's the difference between that and another test, you know?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I'm not sure I'm going to help, but polymerase (laughs) polymerase chain reaction, I can't even say it myself, uh, is is basically you're looking for a very small piece of nucleic acid, whether it's DNA or RNA, uh, in a sample. You have to try and stabilise and take that, nucleic acid out of the sample whether it's a bit of spit or off a swab or whatever that's or blood yeah and then pcr basically using naturally found enzymes in effect to amplify that nucleic acid up like you would in any human cell before it divides and you grow that's it you're following exactly the normal human process of amplifying or bulking up or making more of and by making more of it's easier to detect in effect so, and it's that detection and that quantification of the viral load in effect. So how much virus you've got in there will tell you roughly how strong that, um, or how much that virus that person has. So, uh, and so you'll hear PCR banded around quite a lot. We, you know, it's a fairly typical, it was run in my day in the lab ultimately decades ago um
0: so it's not new to you is it so what does it stand for again pcr you mentioned it earlier i think i talked over you what does pcr stand for
1: polymerase chain reaction Wow. so it's basically what it says so polymerase so lots of enzymes uh chain so creating a chain a chain reaction yeah uh, and that's basically what they're doing and then it doubles up doubles up doubles up doubles up as you can imagine you go one two four eight etc through a what we call cycles and the the, the, less, the least amount of cycles. So if you see on your report, 15 or 18 CTs or cycles, it's so a very strong, there's lots of it there. So it's found lots quickly. And if you've got a, a result that says maybe 30 or 35 CTs or cycles, there wasn't much there. So we had to cycle the system basically over and over again until we actually found something in your sample. Um, so that, sounds that's very,
0: very clever. It sounds yeah, very, very technical. Sure so, so the PCR testing, um, the, the test kit packages obviously are essential for travellers and British holidaymakers. So you've got day two and day eight, you just mentioned those, didn't you? And yes. then they get a fit to fly certificate. Can you just explain how it works for travellers then again?
1: Oh, that's an interesting one. Isn't it. <laughs> so fit to fly. So in effect you need to get out of the country yeah. and go into another country. So you need to be fit to fly. Yeah. So you need a, um, at the moment, the vast majority of com- uh, countries require a pcr test yeah and a a result to say you're negative to allow you to get get out of your own country and into another in effect
0: right days
1: two and five and eight actually um are for very different reason they're the tests that that i think we all hope that probably do stay intact because they're the ones that know what you're bringing back so the day two tests in effect tell you whether you've picked something up on holiday and you come back in and you've got maybe a new variant and that's really key as yeah, we've gone from the alpha through to the delta variants we've seen how the disease can get around more easily in effect yeah,
0: it spreads so quickly, and that's what we need it? to
1: find out if there's the next one and the next one because if you look at things like smallpox and measles they're much you know they, they infect much quicker than the current Covid does, so that's what we're looking for. Are we going to get new mutations that basically affect people more strongly, or kill people more, et cetera, things like that? So that's that's what we're looking for. The day eight side of it is actually it can take three or five days for you uh, to uh, of 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 actually show the the disease and in basically for your body to amplify that virus up and affect. And what we're then looking for is, have you caught it on the flight back, for example? And that could have been from multiple countries because multiple countries, types, uh, areas, of will have, from people would have got on that flight, basically, and 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 potentially infected you. So the two and eight are particularly important dates for you to be tested, based on where you might have got it from, and uh, to te- and to test that specific variant. Because actually, we have to pay for a whole genome ser- sequence for day two if we're going to offer that, which is basically if we get a positive, we have to sequence the whole piece of the virus to see if it is a different type of variant so there's a lot to be done on it it's not something you can do in your garage it's something no, that
0: not at all, takes gosh.
1: Month actually to get accredited and go through UCAS accreditation and all sorts of things to, to to be allowed to do it
0: so people that go on holiday obviously we'd have a PCR test first to go on holiday you know checking check their negative to leave the country and then to another one while they're there they're going to have the test too.
1: Yeah, I don't know actually if you if, if you necessarily need to have it while you're there on the way back. Uh, um, I think it, for, for us in the UK, we, we stipulate to get out of the country uh, and that's generally because the other countries are telling us we've got to, we've got to take a test. And then because we can't rely on the quality of testing in other countries, we're really more interested in the day two and eight when we get back.
0: When you get back, yeah. There is a
1: lot of variability on what the result is and whether the lab broad etc might be the right quality or might have a different what i talked about before a ct or cycle number that says it's positive or not so it could be giving you lots of false positives which will obviously impact you quite badly um things like that so yeah if we had a lot more time i'd be very happy to talk about lateral flow and pcrs and the difference between that ultimately lateral flow i don't believe will ever compete with pcr as a quality as as far as specific well Maybe not specificity, but specifically sensitivity. So, have you got it or not? That is that is definitely something PCR will probably rule over for a long, the long time. Flow. For pc yeah, the, the lateral flow. It's just it's okay if prevalence is really high because it's pretty easy to find that needle in a smaller haystack or more needles in a haystack. Whereas PCR is so so it's sensitive.
0: Sensitive, yeah. So yeah, like a, bit, a lateral really, flow really test long. then. You know, I've been around people before who said, oh, I've, you know, I've, I've been around someone and I've tested positive on a lateral flow, but then they've gone and it's been negative on a PCR. So I don't just quite understand that, really. So. Yeah,
1: it, it's, it's not easy for people to understand or believe or appreciate things like that. We have customers that use our technology and then go somewhere else and have another test three days later and say, well, you said positive, they're saying negative. And you don't know what CT value they class as a positive, negative, you, and, and you don't know if their virus is probably passed out of their body by then or yeah, not detected. Because everyone, so.
0: everyone, uh, you know, everyone's body deals with it differently, don't they?
1: exactly or the swab's not been taken potentially the same or, yeah, or yeah. Something like that. so it's it's not easy for people to do ultimately one of the things i wanted to raise on this is that no one really wants a COVID test
0: no Let's no it's not pleasant, is
1: it? <laughs> it as a provider that you know the dhsc and government are demanding and determining the rules for for us to provide testing and 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 we feel we do a pretty good job but ultimately no one really wants to pay 60 pounds for a test to go on holiday let's be fair
0: no it's a lot of money so if you've got a family of four or five it's going to be an expensive add-on isn't it so i know i think you you briefly mentioned on earlier but you do wellness testing and hereditary testing for various diseases and things and what gets me is do people really want to know what their future (laughs) holds i would be too scared to get the answer i wouldn't want to know do you find it's you know people do they want to get involved with that?
1: That'll be definitely more interesting for us when we try and work on the general population screening. So, you know, countries like Iceland have done it behind people's backs and screened everyone for BRCA without telling them, and then <gasps> something like a, you How know, do they get away with be, that. Well, they well that's their own country. We wouldn't do it here, obviously. Uh, touch wood, um, but yeah, so. It's horses for courses. I, I guess it probably depends on the the, the family. If, if if you've seen your your mum or your dad or your auntie or, or anyone suffer from cancer at a young age, you know, it, it, it is a it is a conundrum. I can imagine for any family. Thankfully, I haven't had to make that decision myself based on cancer in the family. But I guess if you've if the the logic would flow, I guess if if you've if you've seen your mum have had cancer, you've yeah. had and you you look at and you've got a daughter on the way and you think well actually I should probably want to find out whether it's if it's the same mutation and and then if I've passed it ultimately it's a 50 50 chance that you pass it on because you've got two chromosomes it's on one of them and not the other if it was on both you wouldn't exist so but ultimately you pass it down you've got a 50 50 chance of Passing the good one or not the good one, in effect, that's the that's the hope behind it as well. But also, if you find out, then you can hopefully take some sort of control over something that you've probably never felt you could control on. And that's just having more, probably mainly more regular screening, um, but potentially some um, surgery to... To to remove parts of your body ultimately. Yeah, to yeah, people more, do, don't effective. they? Have, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: You hear about that, and it is successful, and they can lead, you know, have a fulfilling life. So these tests then for that kind of hereditary um, for testing for cancer or any disease in the family, is this again something that can be purchased by an individual online, but obviously with the support of your clinicians?
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the because again I have my my history is in, in genetics and the hereditary cancer area and uh, that ele- element actually legally I wouldn't I don't need to legally yeah. I could just send a spit tube to someone's house. They send it to the lab and give them a report and go have a chat to your GP. We don't believe in that. We believe as a as a as a, a group of individuals, or, or me as the as the lead, I guess, of the company and, and and everyone that's involved in what we do um, is we believe that people should have a, a, an effective clinical care before and after. Yeah. And and generally, you don't need to speak to anyone after because if the if the front end discussion about what the result means etc based on either your family history or no family history or whatever and then you get a negative then you know off you go and crack on with your life ultimately and you just you know classed as general risk in the population so you fit you know there are already cancer screening programs out there to catch catch things if you're unlucky for that for, for a non-familial uh, cancer but if, if you do, God forbid you do, you do get a positive, then we we cover that as part. If you bought that the package online, which is a few hundred pounds from us, actually, generally it's thousands. Um, then we will supply a, a top quality consultant geneticists within your region to to have a meeting and a discussion with you, and then discuss uh, the next steps, potential next steps for yourself and and maybe your family. Yeah, yeah. And actually, if you get it, if you do get a positive, another thing we do is make sure that your family also get. Uh, free free testing as well to if if that's what their choice is
0: yeah i mean it's great that it's affordable though now for like you say joe public because people haven't got thousands of pounds have they in the bank for this sort of thing um but i think it's it's the great the testing and it's like it's easy if it is just the saliva and you're going to know the answer then they can they can get help can't they yeah so you've gone from a team of seven to a team of 50 um, pretty much overnight in about 12 months, so which is phenomenal. And there's been lots of activity within your company, but it mustn't have come without its fair share of challenges. What sort of difficulties have you faced? Because obviously you've rapidly grown, haven't you?
1: It's a massive challenge for what was a, a company in partial furlough uh, to grow um, uh, and without big funding, to, to grow from seven people to 50 people um to from two million revenue to probably 50 to 80 million revenue somewhere like that wow. by the end of this year. I guess the three key areas f- for me as a challenge and obviously every person in the organization has their own challenges is, is cash flow having the right people and the right processes in place to supply a service that you that you want to supply. Yeah. I think cash flow in a time which there are things like sea bills floating around but that's for companies that are already profitable and doing really well. You know, we were still in a very much an early growth phase, so that didn't help us. Um, banks weren't lending, they're were very slow to move or things like that. So um, we, we, we've managed to get a, a modest amount of, of, of um, investment in, which has helped and, and just have some very good finance people in to help uh, get, the, get the numbers flowing in the right direction ultimately to, to support that growth. Um, people-wise, getting the right people in at the right time. It hasn't always happened. We, we, we've had some interesting characters come on board as you can imagine when you're yeah. growing rapidly. But ultimately at the moment, I, I honestly feel we've got the, the, a really, really good team across from operations to medical, to uh, sales and marketing and everything like that. So that, that, that a company like ours needs all focused in the, in the same direction. To achieve the sorts of things we're doing if one one area isn't working properly then the whole thing just collapses and it doesn't work and you don't grow yeah. um and i guess that leads me on to the, the more complicated bits that we, we um uh, of the service and the bits that due to covid that are, co- are difficult so not just getting the right pieces for your kits when the cardboard takes seven weeks to print for a kit for example things like that down to the delivery services. So we 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 try and offer the most cost effective solution for the for the broadest range of people to try and travel and do what they need to do when they want to do. So we rely on things like the Royal Mail that people rely on day to day. If a kit or a book comes a day late from Royal Mail, people probably don't notice. If it comes a day late for us, then it creates a big problem, which is yeah. fair enough. Yeah. So that's something that we've been focused on recently. We're still that that you know the amazons yodels dpds etc don't mind bringing a parcel from us to someone's house because it's not non infectious trying to yeah, get yeah you
0: don't think of things like that do you people yeah. don't want to touch anything if if they no. think that maybe someone's had a positive test
1: yeah. they so are the challenged in that respect that they're, they're happy-ish to then you know have special boxes around the country and allow their teams to handle potentially infectious samples or they're not infectious samples, because obviously we parcel them correctly, but ultimately that's what the the, the companies believe. So we've been very much reliant on a standard Track24 delivery back at home service which we feel is, is, is definitely an Achilles heel and puts a lot of pressure onto customer care and other areas at the moment. And that's something we, again, for example, we continually develop and invest and, and focus on our, our weaknesses ultimately. And, and, and within the next two or three weeks, we will have a, a similarly cost-effective courier service from the home, which means that we've got much more visibility and control over that sample back to the lab and hopefully give people a bit more confidence on, on that side of it. Yeah, it must um, be
0: difficult, but, yeah. though, like you say, when you're relying on a third party to do a job for you, because to a certain extent, it's out of your hands, isn't it? You yes. know, you've paid for that service. And if they're not delivering, obviously, it's reflection on you. But sometimes it's, it's, it's catch one to two. You can't win. You
1: no, know, The logistics is an interesting piece, even if we send our kits out at the right time. You know, we've got DHSC that demand we're only allowed to send them on a certain day. So someone orders it three weeks before. We're not allowed to send it, but then they think we've not sent it, but they haven't read DHSC. Some people literally, you know, the kit comes with a little sleeve on with their address, goes to the house. supposed to take that sleeve off and on the box, then send it back. It's got a different track 24 Quite a lot of people just put the sleeve back on and send it back to their own house
0: oh god. there are, there
1: are <laughs> a lot of different pieces involved in in this and it only takes a small percentage of people with each of those incremental issues to sort of uh to give an overall issue for us but we're working on them every day yeah. we work on it um adding more people into customer care new softwares uh new providers uh faster this faster that so uh, our service now is nothing like it was three months ago and i'm i'm pretty confident by by the time it comes to summer we'll have an even more improved uh, product really uh from easier to read literature to a better more functioning website to more people on the phones and all the different bits that it takes so right watch the space.
0: The company has rapidly grown in 12 months. So congratulations to you on everything that you've you've achieved and done for for the community and for the, you know, for the country. And but everything genetic you've briefly touched on it earlier has won a contract to supply, you know, end to end COVID PCR testing for buper. You've appointed a virologist. for a COVID testing service and recently appointed a medical director as well. They're really big roles, aren't they? So well done. Tell us more about that.
1: Thank you. Yeah. It's just building my sort of left and right hand. (laughs) To do do what we do. Um, Yeah. My empire, I suppose I can only do so much. And obviously these people have written, you know, you want people that know what they're doing around you and are better than you at all of those functions. So, you know, as an organization, like we are, we're not, few people in a back office shuttling things around and making a book like i've hopefully put across already there's myself with some experience and contacts but you know i've got my commercial director that manages the sales and marketing functions and that side of it i've got my operations director with decades of experience and operational side that they're building out the management of logistics and operations and things like that and we've got the um Um, we've got financial finance director uh, that that helps pull those levers then across the clinical and medical side um, which which in a way we don't actually we we don't 100 always need that is we're building that at the moment for the the next expansion of the organization really for the whole you know general risk cancer population so funding Uh, a a medical director and a clinical director getting the cqc all the iso accreditations in place for us to then have a platform to be able to offer the tests ourselves as well as working with the likes of bupa and etc so developing other areas of the organization that we might not need now per se but actually it it makes us ready to be to be able to do potentially services for the nhs themselves and other and other private groups so that's an ambition of ours and and also ultimately i think i've hinted on it before that Money is coming in. We'll be mainly focused on developing our own technologies, um, building out a bigger logistics support, customer care, uh, commercial team, etc. So we can bring on more products and, and and enable those into the market and and get and make them accessible for people and making them. We're very disruptive as an organisation. I'm surprised I don't have a red line of sight on my head. <laughs> Um, And and so, and and that area, and and investing literally in other unique companies. We've just invested in two, actually, and that will go out live next week on who they are in cancer and COVID and next generation technologies that will help in years to come. Um, And obviously more jobs and and infrastructure in our own building and all these sorts of exciting things. So, uh, But ultimately, one of the big things will be to work with, hopefully, the NHS and and other, uh, other interested parties on validating new technology to help, you know, reduce that from 400 pounds to 50 pounds, for example, to yeah, screen. Yeah,
0: That's
1: really when you start to, if you, if you look at, for example, a couple of years ago, uh, Manchanda, he, he, he brought out a, stu- a, a, a mass screening population study looking at, if you analyse six specific breast cancer genes and you screen all women over 30, you save hundreds and hundreds of lives every year and hundreds of millions of pounds for the NHS to correctly stratify those women into 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 cancer care and that's something we want to be part of we'n't lose anything on that it's irrelevant. we just want to be part of that to help push and raise awareness to get the data to to provide you know you know whatever testing we can provide as part of that overall picture because that's what's got to happen
0: i could talk about this topic now i'm thinking already how amazing to to get a test down to the specific main Ingredient, if you like, that creates cancer, and then, gosh, yeah, you could you could really cut that cost, couldn't you? How yeah, that, interesting!
1: overall mission, ultimately. Yeah. These things we talked about today, are, it's, it's amazing, but it's a next level. Yeah, next level. Yeah, really definitely. have a platform without having to go to something like private equity and all yeah. that sort of.
0: Stuff.
1: And yeah, it's lovely for to us to be able to a bit more control of our own yeah. destiny and hopefully make a big big difference. And that, that's what we're all here for. If you ask anyone in the team. We're here for the customers, we're here for the patients, we're here for, for the future of cancer care, really. That 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 is what we're here for.
0: And you know, I've experienced working in um one of your at one of your bases at Nantwich Football Ground. Um to cut a long story short, I was a volunteer uh when it first when we first started doing the um vaccinations back in January when it was minus five, and we had such great fun getting everyone back out again and it really enjoyed it. And on the back end of that, I was told about you know, for Change of Scenery to help packing with your company. I had no idea what it was all about. I thought, you know what, I'll do that for Change of Scenery. And if I'm honest with you, I loved it because my job's busy, we're all busy, and it was just a complete switch off. And what I loved was I felt felt I was giving back to the community by helping with the COVID testing, you know, packing the testings up. But it was a lovely therapeutic job. I never thought I'd hear myself say that. And it must be a reflection on you, James, because everybody that was there, whether they were casual or permanent staff, just seemed to be happy to be there and helping, doing something for the pandemic. I know you do all the testing, obviously, as well, mainly, but the COVID, obviously, has come these last 12 to 18 months and I thoroughly enjoyed it I felt like I was really doing something worthwhile so that's got to be a reflection on you how your staff seem to really enjoy their role
1: thank you yeah no I, we do we do yeah well great you might have seen me wandering every now and then do a box and make a cup of tea as well because I found it exactly the same from <laughs> yeah. thinking about the things I have to think about and just to go yeah. and see everyone and do things and spend days there but yeah no we've we're very lucky we've um, got a very uh, talented and focused group of people that are, are trying to do the right thing and uh again you know we things like not paying minimum wage and all the we like to set things. we don't we know we're not you know everything genetics ultimately my company and supported by a few angel business angels that feel the same thing about trying to do achieve the same thing you know um they've done their stuff really um but ultimately we want to set new standards in clinical care whether it's we look after the team you know the way we we divide uh, there's a small piece of profit that goes out to the whole team whether you're in admin or medical or sales or whatever the, the whole thing's hopefully set up i i believe in the right how, how companies should be set up yeah. um, people get their own voice etc but yeah hopefully uh well, you saw it though, I didn't. Yeah, didn't it, it's, it's lovely. at the time. So.
0: And do you know what? I'm actually back there tomorrow. I've put myself in tomorrow because it's just oh, yeah. a, it's a switch off for me. It's a very chilled but efficient environment. And that's how I would describe it. So yeah, so I'm looking forward to that.
1: But, well, I better um, let Mike know then who runs it over there. Just. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll say hello. Oh, James, it's been so lovely talking to you. I know it's quite technical, and some people might not get to grips with everything we've spoken about, but they. It's such an interesting topic. I think it's marvellous what you do and I really do wish you all the best for the future because I know that uh, everything genetic is going to be growing even bigger.
1: Thanks, Karen. Appreciate your time.
0: You've been listening to An Appetite for Life sponsored by Daybank House Dental Practice where happiness starts with a smile. If you are interested in any of my packages or wish to be a guest on this show, then you can contact me via my social media pages, Karen Kelly Podcasts, or send an email to Carolyn kelly at btinternet.com.